If you haven't heard of Gold Boys Wholesale and Distribution yet, you're in for a treat. Gold Boys Wholesale and Distribution is all about innovative, top-quality products. From their own clothing line to brands such as Cookies and Supreme, they have delicious CBD drinks, lip balms, bath scrubs, vape pens, gummies, you name it. They also carry their own Denver-made line of CBD products, as well as Quantum Muscle, Muscle Rub, Rehab X, and many more. Or you can check them out online today and have products shipped straight to your door. Gold Boys where everything is gold, and you can call them at 720-372-9843. Let's jump into the show. Broncos country is Sitting in the south stands Drinking the curves from mile high The best part of the weekend Hugging the perfect stranger As they become a friend Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. And make sure you use that code DNVR20 when you get your rich, tasty CBD infused uh, Strava Craft Coffee. And you'll get 20% off your order when you do so. All right, fellas. Well, I hope that you can get passionate about this because I simply can't. Uh, the Broncos. <laughs> We're snub- there are a few Broncos snubbed from the Pro Bowl. Von Miller, the only Bronco so far to make the Pro Bowl. I'll just give you guys the floor. Zach, what do you think? How snubbed were they? I guess I'll, I'll start with that question. I think Mace is, is very passionate about this one. About Justin Simmons. In general, I, I get the notion, oh, you're 5-9. and nine. You don't deserve to have many Pro Bowlers. Look, the list of players that have made the Pro Bowl from teams that were five and nine at this point, finished say five and eleven, six and ten, seven and nine is astronomical. So the Pro Bowl does recognize outstanding play on crappy teams, does so all the time. And how many of those guys were previously stars though? Like Von Miller, you just copy and paste his name into the well, Pro Bowl because everyone knows who he is. Let's look at the safeties because it end up being what? Earl Thomas, Minka Fitzpatrick. Both very good players. And well-known names. Right? Yeah, Earl Thomas, a well-known name. Minka Fitzpatrick, well-known only because he's a first-round pick. This year he's been and he had in the, the trade. as well. Right, right. Because, it, because people knew him because he was traded. Maybe the moral of the story is that the Broncos should have traded Justin Simmons. But wait, Minka's, so he would have Minka's gotten absolutely balling as well. He's balling. Is he balling better than Justin Simmons over yeah, the course of the year? I think year? so. Yes, I'm not sure I don't about know. that. I'm, uh, co- I'm comfortable saying that those two are are very well deserving. But he's not even an alternate. Pardon me, he's not even an alternate. Sure, and, that's and, the other. That's the that thing Justin that got me. Not only was he not a Pro Bowler, he isn't even one of the three alternates. So you're saying you're saying that six safeties in the AFC, not the NFL, the AFC, are better than Justin Simmons? I think that's farcical. Well, Mace, one he, of them is Kareem Jackson, incidentally. Yeah, and that that's exactly—I I braced myself for this. I knew the Broncos weren't going to get Kareem and Justin in. I I would be heated today if neither of them got in, either, either as alternatives as well. And since Kareem made it, I, I just knew one of them wasn't going to make it. So I, I guess I just braced myself for this. 
here's my take on this. The, uh, the Pro Bowl is about relevancy. And to get your to shine a little bit, you have to be relevant. And having your breakout year on a irrelevant team just gets lost in the fold. And so it's not Justin's fault. He's playing at a Pro Bowl level. The problem is the Broncos are just irrelevant right now. And the NFL doesn't recognize them. You know, Justin Simmons' plays aren't showing up on highlight shows. And so Justin just kind of got lost in the shuffle. But here's the thing. We use Pro Bowls to determine a player's legacy. It's a part of differentiating between guys when you're talking about Ring of Fame, Hall of Fame, etc. So even though the three of us sitting here know that Justin Simmons played at a high level, at a Pro Bowl level, it's not going to go in the records book, record books that way. So, you know, what if you're sitting, say, 15 years down the line and, you know, they're having that Ring of Fame debate about Justin Simmons and maybe he's got one fewer Pro Bowl, maybe he's only got two if he ends up staying and signing an extension instead of three, and something like that can make the difference. So I get where, where you're coming from in terms of how it is tied to the relevancy of the team, and if you're a very good player on a bad team, there's a better chance of not getting recognized. There's a guy who lives right here in the state of Colorado, former longtime Buccaneer, Paul Gruber, who was a very good left tackle for most of his 12-year years, twelve career with Tampa Bay. He never made a Pro Bowl. Now, I think he's in their ring of honor down in Tampa, but he's not a Pro Bowler. And the Pro, the pro Bowl is a joke, and, and I've also accepted that, which I think this it makes it a little easier. Yes, last night on Twitter, I said Justin Simmons was a snub because – he is a snub. He should get it. I just, I just was expecting something like this to happen. And the Pro Bowl is a joke because it's all about names. And Ryan, you said, you know, if you're having your breakout, you're on a five and nine team. Well, that's something that happens with Pro Bowlers, whether you're on a good team or a bad team. Is when you have a breakout year. If you're on a bad team, you're not going to make it. If you're on a good team, it's still borderline since that's your breakout year. You have to be a name to make the Pro Bowl, and that's unfortunate. It shouldn't be that. Mesa, it should be what you're saying. It should be the six best safeties make it uh, as alternates or starters. That's how it should be, but it's just not how it is, especially with the fan voting and everything like that. So next year is when I expect Justin Simmons to make it. So it's sort of like a, a guard or a tackle. Usually those guys make it one year later. Ryan Clady, for example, was a Pro Bowler in his second year, not his first year, even though... Most will tell you that in his rookie season, he played at that level. Right, exactly. Yeah, so uh, it's, it is un- the only reason that I can get any sort of passionate about this is because I know it matters to the players. I'm sure that uh, Justin's pretty bummed and he feels like he was overlooked in that. And, and, because and some of guys that, have contract things tied to it yeah, as well, and that's, bonuses. They should blame their agent for that because that's really dumb. Um, even all pro bonuses, I think, are silly. But I do I do feel for Justin just because I feel like he probably feels like he's played really well, deserved it, and did not get in. So I got to ask, is John Elway happy about it? Do you have a smile on his face when that came down? And that's another thing. Oh. You never know what's going on behind the scenes. Politics play a big role in all of this. Justin's agent may have been pushing the contract extensions off until today thinking that his client was going to have a Pro Bowl next to his name. And he didn't know how much pull John had around the league. <laughs> yes, I think John Elway is happy. It's a lot more difficult to try and play, you know, the um, the hometown discount or whatever you want. It's really tough to do that 
when they're saying this dude was a pro bowler last year, everyone in the league is going to want their hands on him. Now John can say, like, yeah, we we think he's really close to being at that level. He's just not quite there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it gives him something to reach for next year, though. Unfinished business for 2020. Yes. Because he will be back. Shirts. Yeah. Whether it's on a franchise tag one-year deal or on a long-term contract, he will be back with the Broncos in 2020. I'm yep. surprised. I'm surprised people aren't up in arms about Cortland Sutton. Who is in front of him um, as wide receivers? And that's that's why I'm not up up in arms about. I'm trying to pull up just the AFC list, but right now he's 18th in receiving yards in the in the entire NFL. Uh, and I think there's more actually in the NFC, but just right there, everyone, especially in Denver, you, you get kind of clouded. And Cortland Sutton's having a fantastic year, especially the circumstances, but you know what? Circumstances don't show up on the stat sheet. And unfortunately, I think Cortland Sutton's having a Pro Bowl caliber year, but the stat sheet, especially for a receiver, is what matters. And circumstances don't take in people don't take into account that he's had three different quarterbacks, two pretty darn bad quarterbacks, and he's still done what he's Where does done. he rank in yards per catch though? <sighs> he's like top three. That's yeah, that that's where you can have a defining stat. But I didn't expect that he'd get in. I think second alternates is good as you could have hoped for and i mean again there's a chance he gets in yeah on a bad team yep exactly i mean in that case i look at the i look at the uh you know the safeties like minka fitzpatrick jamal adams earl thomas and you're right those are names but i would have put justin simmons ahead of jamal adams for example and i would have put him ahead of i'll argue for minka fitzpatrick even though i know zach you disagree at wide receiver for Cortland sutton now you can't argue him ahead of deandre hopkins Keenan Hound's having a great year. Can't argue over him. Not when he plays Chris Harris Jr. Tyreek Hill. Yeah, the best receiver in football, according to Chris Harris Jr. He's on there. I guess maybe there's a case for Jarvis Landry. But the thing is, Landry and Sutton, that's apples and oranges. They are they're considered together because they're both wide receivers, but they're two totally different types of receivers with two totally different skill sets and measures of success in terms of stats. Yeah, the whole thing, I don't know. It's all just kind of, to me, it's a popularity contest. And, and this is the take that I wanted to have today. That's what it's supposed to be. Like, I saw people complaining, like, this has just become a popularity contest. That's what it is. It's, it's normally called an all-star game because it's all about the stars. It's not, a, it's not some sort of achievement award, in my opinion. To me, it's... This is about the fans. The whole thing is about trying to get the most exciting players all together, and it's about the fans. They want to see the stars. If it were about the fans solely, then you would do it like baseball where you determine the starters entirely by fan voting. The fan vote's only one-third of this, so it's not all about the fans. And I think what people are expecting is that the coach vote and the player vote counterbalances some of the mistakes made by fans who may just only know a handful of names and they're voting for those familiar names. But even among coaches and players, there is some popularity and reputation involved because you're not facing those guys all the time. If you're a player in the AFC, you may not know a heck of a lot about what Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are doing in Tampa Bay. Although they both made it. So to answer your question and also get you a little more fired up, Mace, Cortland Sutton is the ninth receiver in terms of yards per catch in the entire NFL. He's fourth in the AFC 
You know who's right ahead of him? Not just in the AFC, but in the entire NFL. Ahead of him. Better. No offense. Terry McLaurin. Oh. <laughs> My guy. <laughs> Your guy. Broncos could have had both. Where is no offense? Oh, boy. Are you looking at wide receivers or are you looking at all pass oh. catchers? I'm looking at everything. Uh, no offense, 22nd. Okay. That's not bad for every everyone in the entire NFL. Terry no, McLaurin. I was trying to like remember a three-yard catch from Noah Fant, and I couldn't. <laughs> all right. Like, it's either incomplete or – It's either or... a negative run, <laughs> an incomplete, or a big play. How much in terms of yards per catch – yards or pardon me, yards after the catch for Noah Fant? That's something that I may uh, look up later on because – that's, I think, one of the things that's allowing him to separate himself from other tight ends right now is what he's doing after the reception. And to their credit, plays like the one that he had in Kansas City, they're designing plays for him that take advantage of his speed and agility after the reception to accumulate yardage that way. Yep, yep, it's true. Anyone surprised about Deontay Spencer? Yes. I, I was shocked. <laughs> yeah, I was too. <laughs> What's his longest return, like 40 yeah, no touchdowns. No I think touch, that's yeah. that's usually the thing like, that jumps is, out. Is that just how weak returning is around the entire NFL? But we're just so bogged down here in Denver because it's been bad for so long. I don't know. Like <laughs> he's had like three or four good plays. The way we talk about him is like, yeah, I think the Broncos have found their returner for the future. I mean, we're not like, let's sign this guy up, five-year deal, pay him as a top three returner. And that it's just so funny because we're talking about the opposite. We're talking about how Justin Simmons is being disrespected by the national media. Everyone in Denver knows how good he's. And it's kind of funny. It's the exact opposite. The, the, the nation is saying, Deontay Spencer's a good returner. And we're like, oh. Really? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for telling me. I, I should watch him. You know where he ranks in terms of average per punt return? So far this season, among those with a minimum of 10 returns? I do not know. 15th yeah. in the league. <laughs> what? So let's see. And in the AFC, gosh, let's see. That puts him behind. I think Deontay Spencer was even like, <laughs> yeah. you said what now? They're like, you're, a, you're going to the Pro Bowl or you're or a you're, Pro Bowl alternate. Well, the thing is, as a punt returner, a third alternate, the chances of him going to the Pro Bowl are probably roughly the same as the three of us actually going to the Pro Bowl and playing in it. <laughs> well, there's going to be, I mean, 12 Ravens were selected, and they could go to the Super Bowl. That's going to open up a lot of spots for everyone. <laughs> Talk about being good, helping you. Crazy that, do you think it's crazy that Tom Brady didn't make it? I mean, he's obviously because not he's, playing it. Because he's a name, yeah. I am surprised. But the thing is, and just to kind of illustrate part of this, when you don't have a lot of quantifiable stats – you vote on reputation, and that hurts Justin Simmons playing safety. It hurts offensive linemen playing guard tackle because you don't have the big numbers like passer rating, yards, touchdowns, etc. With Tom Brady, it's very easy to take a cursory look at the stat page on NFL.com, see that his efficiency rating is in the middle of the pack right now, and say, oh, well, you know what? Look at Lamar Jackson up there. Uh, that's easy. I'm going to vote for him. That's it, true. So it's different. And and at the positions where you've got the numbers that people can easily digest, you can overcome the whole reputation factor a lot more easily than you can at, say, safety or guard. Now, back in the days when interceptions, when guys would get seven, eight, nine interceptions in a season sometimes – you had a stat that could that could be leaned on, but there are a bunch of guys with four picks, like Justin Simmons, and 
that puts him among the league leaders, but there's a cluster of players there. There's not the separation where you've got one guy with 10, a couple of guys with nine, three guys with eight, and so thus it leans more on a rep than performance. Okay, well, we haven't talked too much about Kareem Jackson here, and I think we should start with the fact that he is a Pro Bowl alternate, and he has earned that. Um, But? If you, you, well, if you let me, if you said you get one of Kareem Jackson or Justin Simmons this year, just this year, I would take Kareem. I would too. Like, you told me you get his season or his season, the other one leaves the team, I would take Kareem. For one season, just I would for this as well. Year. Yeah. I would as well. I think Kareem, now, Justin has the interceptions, but I, I just feel like Kareem's presence has been felt more. He makes an impact. I mean, when he's out there, you notice him mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think quarterbacks know where he is all the time. Totally. And with that in mind, it's going to make the Broncos' defense a lot easier to face over these last two weeks um, as he will not be there because of a DUI that he was charged with all the way back in September. Yeah, he uh, put it down to driving while ability impaired, probation. How does that? What is that how is that mean? any different? Uh, yeah. Ability impaired, it, there's a different threshold compared to being under the influence. Right. Mm. Basically, it's like you you're not all, think of it like this way, you're not, altogether drunk but you're not a hundred percent so basically you could say when you're under the influence you're 50 percent maybe when your ability impaired you're 75 percent of what you were isn't the whole idea mm -hmm. isn't wasn't the whole um there's a whole campaign that says driving buzzed is driving drunk yes (laughs) exactly and it's still a crime and ability impaired still puts you under the purview of the NFL's discipline policy on this, which starting in 2014 said if you had any alcohol-related driving offense, it was going to be a two-game suspension. Now, the Broncos and Kareem Jackson, they got the perfect timing on this thing. Yeah, they did. Because he's out for two inconsequential games. I mean, as far as a suspension, it's, it's hitting at the perfect time, not only in terms of the meaningful nature or lack thereof of the games, but also in terms of the fact that his base salary goes up from $3 million this year to, I believe it's $11 million yep. next year. So instead of being hit with over a million dollars in lost salary, it's about 350000 bucks. Okay, so I really try. I didn't tweet anything about this yesterday because my original reaction to this was very... Um, Uh, emotional and I really tried to sit on it for the day to say like maybe I'm being too harsh maybe uh you know I just need to to let this go for a second not crush him on social media and try and digest it you ready to crush him Ryan and I sit here today like I don't feel any different about it I just there's absolutely no excuse for this it's so it's so dumb I'm sorry there's no other way for me to put it and it's one th- it's one thing if you know i don't know you just happened to get pulled over cuz you went over the line a little bit but like the fact that he was also speeding just shows such a disregard for it's like this invincibility thing like i can go to the club i can drink what i want and then i can speed my way home and it doesn't matter like i'm invincible like maybe that's not the way he was thinking of it but to me it's like 
then I know you were putting people in danger. It's, it wasn't just you that you put in danger. Like you're speeding down, you know, the streets of downtown. downtown. Yeah. It's just, it's not okay. There's no excuse. There's, there's nothing I can dredge up to try and defend anything that happened in this. There's situation. no excuse for any of us to do it for a football player. It hits another level because the NFLPA has made it has done things to help players have rides after the game, no questions or after not the game, but you know after going out and partying, no questions asked because for a few years it was with, was with Uber, now it's with Lyft. You get a two hundred and fifty dollar credit every year that is to, that can be used for rides whenever you need them, no questions asked. So if he you know, unless he's going out every night, he doesn't have to pay for this potentially. And, and certainly even be he an can issue. afford it anyway. I mean, right. on a on a player's salary, the notion that you could get busted for this, it's arrogant. You said invincible and stupid, completely stupid that he does this. And uh, uh, frankly, because you mentioned that, you know, he's speeding the threat to public safety on this. I mean, to me, everything he's done on the field, it's washed out. It's irrelevant now to me because of this i think i can separate the two things um and not have to compare and contrast just because i don't think it's really possible but it is uh, it's just completely inexcusable this is just mere months after the franchise just showed him how much they valued him and i feel like it's a disregard of that um and this was the free agent who supposedly was the one who was saving this class yep Exactly, and and you guys did a great job of just saying how it's unacceptable. I completely agree. Another reason why it's unacceptable, this is the middle of a work week. This is Thursday. The Broncos flew to Green Bay two days later. They were practicing that day, the day before, the day after. I mean, and, and I know that, you know, some players go out more than the public thinks, and maybe, maybe a lot of players do depending on the team, but still, what you're getting paid $11 million. You got how $20 million guaranteed? You're a star. You're a leader. You're the highlight of this free agency class now. And you can't represent yourself well. You can't represent the Broncos well. You can't represent the city well. Ugh. It's, it's bad. I, I, was at, I had an appointment this morning. And the first thing that someone said to me, because they know I cover the Broncos, was Kareem. Man, I can't believe that. It wasn't about the Pro Bowls. It wasn't about Drew Locke. I mean, Drew Locke's the dude in this town. And it's just about how disappointing that is. And I think also the fact that Kareem Jackson had not only been a good player, but seemed to be establishing himself as a leader in that locker room. That doubles the disappointment here that the community has. And I'm sure the Broncos have in him. The interesting thing, how did the Broncos and the city of Denver keep this under wraps for three months? It's uh, impressive. The Broncos are pretty good. Pretty good at that stuff. That was, imp- I mean, literally, we're we're just under three months from the time of the arrest, and we're now hearing about it. The Let other, me put and, it this way: Yeah, this got out because Kareem Jackson is automatically suspended by the NFL. Right. If that weren't the case, we would have never heard about it. <laughs> yep. Imp- As they proved for three months, we would we would have never heard now. Which tells you how much. We've never heard about. <laughs> oh, right. Exactly. When did they turn the uh, ability to access police scanners off in Denver, by the way? How many months ago was that? Uh, good question. I, it, it was before that. 
Okay. I believe. So. And I also believe that. You are, and you usually have someone with the post, someone with the television stations that is always monitoring the, pr- the police frequency back in the day. And I yep. believe that in the past few months, the, the police department changed from releasing like daily information about arrests yeah. to now you have to call in and ask. So the only way someone would have known is if they called in and asked about all 90 Broncos players in the summer, then all 53 every, every single day. day. Right. And they could have found out, but. Who, who in this room wants to do that? Nope. Not only for the city of Denver, but you have to probably do it for Arapahoe. Right. You got to do it for Douglas County because a bunch of players live down there. And, and speaking of, just to put this into perspective, I assume that Kareem lives somewhere in this su- south side of Denver closer. I also live there. It's, it's a $20 Uber. 20 bucks to get mm-hmm. from downtown to... to uh, DTC, so maybe it's thirty bucks to get you know in like heck. You take the black car, it's what fifty, right? Sixty. And, he and can for, afford that. He could have his own personal driver. Yeah. And to think about just what it's going to cost, and you know, for it would cost you and I. They say it's about ten thousand um, dollars. It's literally going to cost him north of four hundred thousand dollars when all is said and done. He also had Harvey Steinberg as his lawyer. That's part so of it. Harvey ain't cheap. On it. Wow. Yeah. Although if I'm ever in trouble. Harvey Steinberg is the man I want defending me. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> and like, and he said, you know, it won't happen again, and I'm sure it won't because now he's learned his lesson. The problem is, like, it should it should never happen in the first place. And I think the last thing we can say on this su- subject is just to all you guys, please don't drink and drive. Like, it's just in 2019, it, it it's never been a good decision. There is literally no reason to do it in 2019. It just it can't be defended. And the truth is. If you can't afford to take an Uber, then you shouldn't be doing it. You shouldn't be going out and getting drunk. Right. Because that's going to cost you money in itself. So there's no excuse ever to get behind the wheel when you're drunk. Just go stock your liquor cabinet and establish the home bar. Doesn't Von Miller have a pretty rocking home bar? (laughs) Yes, he does. Yes. So uh, I think that's a good place for us to move on and – um, a good place to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. Um, you know, supporting local businesses in our blood, and it, and we are excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets and molded rubber to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is here, and we've already had plenty of it. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snowplows. DRC can cut to, see, cut to size and pre-slot most snowplow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. And they are the go-to when it comes to anything rubber for your snowplows. So make sure you call them at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com dnvr and tell them who sent you. All right, let's talk to the people and jump into the questions. First one's from Wooly Wookie. Guys, I was about to write a comment about how the Broncos need to address the offensive line early and often in the 2020 draft and forgot about every other position till they get that fixed. They Then, after listening to you guys on the pod talking about going up against Mahomes and the Chiefs for the next 10 years, it got me thinking a little different. We need the firepower to keep it up. In the latest mock draft on Draft Network, they had Jerry Judy falling to the Broncos with the top two tackles off the board. The more I thought about this, the better off it felt is the right path forward. Give our 
our intergalactic gunslinger lock the weapons he needs to battle with the evil empire of the Chiefs? Question is, if you have your choice at the top receiver in the draft, or if one of the two tackles is still available, which do you choose? Tackle. Tackle. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if I'd... they're available, I have to go tackle. <laughs> I go wide receiver. Oh, Why? Because I think that a good quarterback can cover up a lot of problems for an offensive line, and we've now seen both sides of the coin. In Houston and in San Diego, we didn't think much about the, the offensive line. And then in Kansas City, the offensive line betrayed him. So it can happen both ways. But Can't the same be said about wide receiver? A good quarterback covers up wide receivers? Uh, yes. A good quarterback can make wide receivers. Can, yeah, right. he has a cover-up. He can make – Average wide receivers look good. I mean, Peyton Manning is a perfect example of that. But, I mean, Judy is like, I think, generational type of talent at wide receiver. I just think, like, you have an opportunity. You're gonna. There's always going to be good offensive linemen in draft class, and I'm thinking of, like, the 10-year plan here. But they're always good receivers as well. Wide receiver is the one position that college football has no trouble producing on a year-to-year basis. It's true, but there's not stars in every class. There's good receivers in every class. Um, I think there's a, there's always going to be good offensive linemen, and I think that this class is so packed full of stars. Like like I said, I'm thinking of the 10-year plan. It might not be the best thing for the Broncos next year, but I think in the 10-year plan, having Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Noah Fant, like, it's just – I'm just saying, like, Take care of this now. Have one of the best offensive weapon groups and then fix the offensive line later. To put it in your perspective, you think that he could be Julio Jones. That 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 Upward, type of player. Right. That type DeAndre of DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Probably more in that mold, but right. along those lines. But here's the thing, when you look at the classes, okay, even a bad wide receiver class still produces a bunch of guys who are good contributors. And you can find good receivers throughout the draft tackles we've seen some bad tackle classes the broncos picked a tackle in a bad tackle class garrett bowles so the variance in the quality of classes is greater at tackle than is at wide receiver in part because it's a tough position to fill based on what players are learning on the college level and how they have to adjust when they get to the pros I guess here's what I'll say to walk my take back a little bit. Um, if you told me that the Broncos were going to get one of the top, we'll call it six wide receivers in one way, shape, or form with their next pick, then I would rather do that. I would rather take a maybe not second tier, a bottom of the top tier wide receiver and then take one of the top two tackles. Um, I just don't want some like – third round or fourth round wide receiver in the in the mold of like Deshaun Hamilton where we're saying like oh this guy can come in and contribute right away and then he just doesn't well if you're going to pick one of those guys he's got to have some attributes like speed that's again I mentioned him for the second time in this pod it's part of what I liked about Terry McLaurin is that he had the ability to be a slot guy potentially but he had four three five speed right like I love Judy I also Mm -hmm. love CD Lamb I also Love LaVisca Chenault. You know, there's a lot of options there. The, the, the same can't be said for tackle. I just don't want to. Uh, I just don't want this whole like go through the motion, like 
kick the can down the road type of thing with wide receiver. I think it's as important as anything. The comparison of, of Tyree Kill on the field was brought up with Henry Ruggs yesterday, and that's got me, that's got me so excited. And Henry, Cortland Sutton and Henry Ruggs? Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, that would be something else. And it, so, again, that's, that falls in that category of, like, getting one of the top six wide receivers. And if you can pair that with a top tackle, right. then now you're talking. Next one from Iceman. Hey, friends, mates. Unbelievable rushing stats all the way back to the McIdiot era and 60 more minutes of play. Yep. As we know now, we are really all the way back to 1970 to 1972 for losing streak seasons. I guess if my Stein is half full, we can only go up from the Valley of Despair, a.k.a. a world of suck. Somebody grab Vaughn on the way out, please. Go Drew, Broncos, and Zoomies. Yeah, well, I think they'll be able to run the ball this week, though. You'd hope. <laughs> They should be able to do whatever they want this week. You'd like to think that. Dan Burke, I know some fans are down on the, on the defense after the Chiefs game, but the 23 points the Chiefs scored on Sunday were the second fewest of the Mahomes era. Vic's red zone defense in that game was great, and the fact that he was doing it with all the injuries and against one of the best offenses in the NFL was impressive. Anyway, Mace, I heard that you were present on the radio when Ben Albright dropped some information about Garrett Bowles hiring a coach to help him with the mental side of the game. Can you elaborate on this if possible? Yes, simply put, Ken Zampezi, former Bengals offensive coordinator, longtime NFL offensive coach, son of offensive guru Ernie Zampezi, he is working with Garrett Bowles now away from the Bronco facility, working on the mental aspects of football. What do you think of that? I think that's a huge positive sign for Garrett Bowles because one thing that has been evident or was evident in the first couple of years that he was in the league is that he wasn't always the most receptive to teaching and outside help. That he kind of thought he could figure things out on his own. I would equate it this way. Sometimes if a child is struggling with a particular subject in school, a parent will hire a tutor. Like, say, an hour, two hours extra of work once a week. And I remember I was struggling with something once and it, when I was in middle school and had a little bit of time with a tutor, and boom, problem solved right away. Just kind of need some one-on-one -on -one help, hear a exactly, different voice. Exactly, and I think the key thing then for Garrett Bowles is to listen to the good advice that he's getting, and I'm sure some of what Ken Zampezi imparts to Garrett Bowles is listen to Mike Munchak. Well, and, and He's Mason, trying to help you. I, yeah, I'm not going to bash Garrett Bowles for getting extra help. Good for him for doing that. But he's Why? got the best in the business yep. in, in Mike Munchak. But Munchak's maybe, working, with multiple, working with 10 guys in that room. Don't you, Here's a chance to have someone who's focused on you and only you. I have a hard time believing that Mike wouldn't give him that extra one-on-one -on -one attention. In fact... I'm sure John would even say, Mike, just forget about the other guys for a while. Just focus on Garrett. If he if he wants this advice, just give it to him. I, or I just, how about I just like find it after weird. practice, you know, Mike and Garrett can have a one-on-one -on -one meeting every day. Exactly. I'm sure that could be exactly. arranged. Well, I, then again, the problem is sometimes when you're doing that in the building and other guys see it, then there'll be some resentment from the other O-linemen. Oh, why is this guy getting special? attention and Mike Munchak may feel that he needs to make sure that he shows value to all of his offensive linemen Fair. I, it can't be perceived as a bad no, thing it's just, just one of those weird. things that's you're just like 
does it why you right. know like shouldn't it just be coming easier than that but it's it's not it hasn't so it i commend garrett for finally deciding that he needs to go into his own pocketbook to try and help that pocketbook at a later date i think it's an acknowledgement that he needs help and look he's been open about some of the uh, learning disability issues that he has it's something that he spends a lot of time volunteering on away from football so uh, getting help to get him to the next level i think I, I can only regard this as a positive. It's a good step for him. Uh, Dan Burke continues here. I know we got fooled into thinking Bowles had turned a corner last year, but I think there's a real possibility that the Broncos are content with going into 2020 with Bowles as their starter. As much as he frustrates the fan base, zero sacks, one QB hit, and two QB hurries allowed over the past five games is impressive. And, yes, I think there is a possibility Garrett Bowles is the left tackle in 2020. The question is, when do they decide on the fifth-year option? Do they make that commitment in March, or do they wait to give him the fifth-year option until after the draft, seeing what they come up with on those three days? It would only make sense for them to wait until after the draft. Next one here is from Trevory13. In response to the Rugs discussion today, a prospect who has the combination of vertical speed plus lateral agility is K.J. Hamler from Penn State. This is exactly what I'm talking about. He has, <laughs> he's as twitched up as any receiver in the draft, not named Jerry Judy. If he declares, I think he could go in the early to mid-second round range. What he's missing from his game that Ruggs does is the physicality to win at the catch point. The combination of all three skills, speed, agility, and physicality, is what makes Tyreek so unique. And I'm not sure there's a guy who checks all three boxes in this draft. Even getting two of the three gives you a great skill set to work with as a complement to Sutton. You know what K.J. Hamler's 40 time, according to Penn State coaches, is? Something ridiculous. 428. Yeah. <laughs> Which tells Let's me he'll probably he... run like a 431 at the combine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty fast. Really fast. And I'm not necessarily against the idea of just getting a speed receiver. One way or another, you better get that. You have to get that. Uh, but I just salivate at the idea, and especially looking at Kansas City, at just loading up on offensive weapons, making it so teams don't know who to cover when they go out there. Right. Next one from Broncos Girl, 723. Hi, fam. Sorry it's been a while since I checked in with the DNVR fam. Between life being crazy, the roller coaster ride the Broncos gave me this season, paired with trying to quit smoking five months and five days. Hell yeah. I felt my wow. comments would have been so bipolar, it was best to keep those opinions to myself. I haven't listened to this pod yet. I just mostly wanted to say hi. Love all the new members of the fam. Love y'all. Hashtag this is Broncos country. Congratulations, Broncos girl. Yeah, yes. keep up the good work. Way to go. Next one's from Yes We Fant. <laughs> hey guys, missed on the last pod, so reposting. New sub here from the Quad Cities. I've been listening since the River Craycraft Jewel episode <laughs> in training camp and have been hooked ever since. Sorry it took so long. You guys are great. Uh, we're happy to have you. That's a... <laughs> That's a throwback. It's a memorable moment. What, why were we talking about Joe Flacco <laughs> vaping? Yes, Joe Flacco. <laughs> and we, I think we said River was probably the most likely to vape on the team. <laughs> uh, How did you come up with him as the most likely to vape? He just, uh, he just looks like he'd have a jewel. Joe Flacco, I think. was. We started with River, and then we made it. We were like, oh, Flacco. Flacco's for sure vaping. <laughs> Flacco's got one of those big things that looks like a, a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's so heavy he can hardly wear sweatpants when they go pull his pants down. But it just looks like it's the same size when, uh, you know, River has the tiny one. About the same proportions. Right. Those, That's those true. Guys. Anyways, on Vaughn, I'm only 
Moving him for two first rounders. Okay, well, you're never moving him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think next year is definitely a playoff year, and there should be enough money in draft capital to make this team deeper. Also, am I the only one who would want to keep Shelby over Wolf if I had to choose? Anyway, keep up the great work. I don't think you're the only one. I think a lot of people do. But it's it's free agency, so it's up to the player right. if they want to stay. And I think they're going to be very different price points, too. Exactly. The and same I, price? Give me Shelby. But. And Shelby wants to get paid. Yep, and he kind of wants to get paid somewhere else. <laughs> From Denver born, Denver raised. Hey, guys, so when talking about cornerbacks, names that keep coming up in my head are Marcus Peters and Ronald Darby. They're young and explosive. Marcus Peters is a pipe dream, but I believe possible in my own little made-up world. Another thing that I truly believe is that this Broncos team is ready to explode next year. I think a good left tackle and a center or guard and a couple wideouts in this offense would be great. I feel upset about how the Broncos have been lately, especially with how good the Nuggets and Avs have been, but I have hope for this team. At least somebody in the town is good. You don't want it to be a situation where all four of your major sports teams suck at the same time. I can't that is a true world of suck. I cannot imagine the, that. The other thing is, mention left tackle, center, guard, couple of wideouts. Chris Harris Jr. yesterday, before he ended his press conference, he was asked about what the missing piece is, <laughs> and he said, well, there are missing pieces and we, that, and I think this comment is, is right on point with that. This team, while I can see the playoffs for this team in 2020, it is predicated upon spending the cap space that they have and nailing these, first, these five picks in the first 100 selections. It's the fact that they have the resources to improve the team in a single offseason, but now they have to go about doing it correctly. That was a huge shot by Chris. I don't love yeah. that, man. I know Chris is honest, and we want honesty. Uh-huh. Um, but from a team perspective, I just I don't think that players should be making comments like that. But it, five and nine, I mean, is he wrong? He's not wrong. That's what I mean. Yeah. He's right, but it's just it's like an unnecessary shot. Really I gives guess. me a feeling he knows he's you know, 10 right. days away from being done with this contract. And maybe he knows the direction he's going after this year, and it's not back there. But every Is guy it? in that locker room knew what this team was. It was interesting, sort of the sell job that you got from the front office. And even early in the season, players knew that this team had some distance left to traverse. This team had some building yet to do. The players were re- were realistic about it, even if they weren't saying it on, on the record. I... Look, I mean, it's not just for what we do. I would rather have the authentic take than the false platitudes. So would I. So would I. But if you're in the front office and your job is to decide who should be on the team and who isn't, I would feel the opposite. Yeah, that, that's fair. But you have to be honest and confront what you are. And to me, that's the best way to solve problems is by admitting what they are and knowing what they are. Next one coming in from Nick Sticks. Guys, hearing about KJAX DUI is frustrating. I get people make mistakes, but there are some professions out there in the world that immediately terminate or take away your license to practice if you get a DUI. The NFL and other professional sports leagues need to pull together or need, need to get tougher penalties when it comes to this stuff. Luckily, with KJAX's situation, nobody got hurt. But when you make millions, there really is no excuse to not hire a driver to take you home. I think we all agree with you there. Mm-hmm. With that being said, let's talk football. Drew Locke is... Really the quick, guy. really quick. Yeah. Would you have any objections to the NFL saying if you get a DUI, it's a one-year sus- suspension? No. No, I wouldn't either. It's like one of those things that I just don't think the penalty can be too high. Right, because you're in other professions, you get fired. That's what I mean, and it's like... You're endangering public safety. That's what, yeah, like, like your job is to represent the city and the team in, in the league, and 
you are doing none of those things. In fact, you're counteracting those things. And again, it's, I don't know if that punishment would necessarily fit the crime, but the idea is to set the punishment so high that players don't even consider it. Right. And that's kind of what's happened with our legal system. Like, yeah, the truth is it's even if you've had a few drinks, it's really easy to think like, there's just no way this is worth it. Right. Getting, you know, the, the potential of getting caught. I think it'd be fine for the NFL to set a punishment that makes players think there's just no way this is worth it. Well, yeah. of course, the thing is the Broncos did not terminate the employment of Matt Russell. Oh, I mean, we could go down a whole path on the Broncos <laughs> and their, you know. I will admit that there were times when the whole Matt Russell thing was going down that uh, I turned to my wife because I was working on contract with the Broncos uh, at the time, one full time. And I said, Okay, if I got in trouble like this, would I be still doing work <laughs> right. on the Broncos website tomorrow? Right. Probably not. <laughs> no, nope. definitely not. <laughs> but no. he kept his job and he's still there. No way. With that being said, let's talk football. Drew is the guy. He had a bad game in his third start ever. A lot of great Hall of Fame quarterbacks had rough first seasons. I want the Broncos to draft nothing but offense, offense, offense. They have leaned on the defense so for so many years now. It's time to turn the tables and start point and start putting points on the board. Offensive line, wide receiver, wide receiver in the first three rounds would be nice. I also want to bring up the fact that the Chiefs were smart enough to run double move and shake routes in the snow to slow down the DBs because wide receivers know where they are going and the defense doesn't. I'm curious why Denver didn't try the same thing. Instead, they ran a lot of crossing, crossing over and go routes. I would hope that Scangarello or Fangio could make a call mid-game to try and involve some more of those route concepts. Sorry for the long post. I had to get a lot off my chest. I have no clue. The first play of the game should have been a double move. Yeah. Like, that's th- that's where your advantage is. You needed to make the defense think you're going one way and then go another way. And didn't that mess Cortland Sutton up on that? Or, or not Cortland Sutton. Justin Simmons up on that touchdown? It seemed, it seemed like he was going half speed. Yes. yes. Although Chris told him before the play what was going to happen. So, <laughs> weird yeah. game for Justin. The way you take advantage of an opponent in those conditions on offense is if you use sharp cuts because the the biggest thing that you have that they don't is – as receivers, you know where you want to make the cut and where you want to move, and the defense is backpedaling in an off-balance situation in the snow and reacting to it. And the, the lack Bron- of creativity on the routes, frankly, for the Broncos was, was baffling. It's like they were, they were game planning for a sunny 45-degree day on a dry track and mm-hmm. had no clue how to handle the snow. It's interesting. I felt like the Broncos were calling the game because – to, to not have their guys slip. They were like, they didn't want their guys to slip when the truth is like those things, the higher chances for the defender to slip because right. they don't know which way they're going. Yeah. The, the thing with snow that you can't pass in it, it's farcical. If it's a snowy, windy day, you're going to have trouble passing. Yep. But the wind was five to 10 miles per hour. It was a non-issue. You should have been able to throw in those conditions. Mate's next one's for you. Yes. The count. I understand why people get upset about Pro Bowl snubbery. But who really cares if someone gets to go play in a fake game? I suppose it may add dollars to a guy's contract, and for that, I'm a fan. But there's got to be a better way to recognize dudes, dudes doesn't there? Like maybe Christmas bonuses or custom rubber hyperbaric chambers from Denver Rubber Company. How about the DNVR awards? Love the count. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. Like I said, the only thing that stops me from being like no one should care about this is that the players care about it, and so then it makes me care about it a little bit more. But the truth is, it's just like it's it is a fake game. It's 
decided a lot by fans, which makes it a popularity contest. It's just, it's not a, it's the job of it is not to highlight who are the best players. The job of it is to be entertaining. Yeah, the selection matters, but not the game. Wasn't the buy-in on StubHub for the Pro Bowl last year something like two bucks oh by God. game day? Oh, 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 wow. Well, it was, I think they've had rain a couple of the years. Maybe they ought to rethink Orlando. Orlando does get rainy days like that in the wintertime. Yeah, and this one... Go back to Honolulu. This one along the same lines from Bronco Nugs. Am I wrong to feel that Sutton should have made the Pro Bowl over Vaughn? Both played amazing, and I love Vaughn, but Sutton somehow has a a thousand yards with three different quarterbacks, and he's made some amazing catches. No, you're not. I mean, Sutton has had a better season than Vaughn. Where would you rank Vaughn in terms of players who deserve or have a Pro Bowl case on the Broncos? Behind Simmons, behind Kareem Jackson... Behind Cortland Sutton? Maybe even behind Derek Wolf. Yeah. If he was healthy. I mean, they had the same amount of sacks. So behind yeah, Alexander yeah. Johnson? Yeah. And so, some people asked about Alexander Johnson. Was he a snub? No, because he didn't no. play the first month of the season. That's not his fault, but I understand why people wouldn't. CJ Anderson barely played the first half of the 2014 season. He still made the Pro Bowl. Speaking of but, pro bowlers, again, I'm pretty sure that's what he's doing right now. Yes, but also <laughs> to go back to an original point, wow, that team was 12 and four, coming right. off of two seasons in which it had gone 13 and three. The Broncos were a name, a known commodity, a brand, a nationally recognized brand. weren't they promoting themselves as America's team based on that yep. Harris poll that they had back yep. in those days? Yep. Yeah, they're not America's team. They're barely Colorado's team right now. Wow. From Bronco Duck. <laughs> After listening to this pod, I still think Vaughn's comments were blown out of proportion. He was frustrated and obviously wants to be on a winning team. What competitor doesn't? I think he wants to stay in Denver, and I think he wants to be on a team that is going to put pieces to play meaningful football in December. Those aren't mutually exclusive. Obviously, it's a business, but I think Vaughn stays in Denver for at least one more contract. Um, I agree. I, don't, I never thought Vaughn was trying to say, like, get rid of me or trade me or anything like that. I thought he was just... Honestly, just being honest. I just don't know if he's here for one more contract, though. Yeah, that'll be interesting. It's going to be an awkward time when that happens. (laughs) Um, Two more thoughts. Simmons was a total snub. What a joke. I'm sad he won't get the accolade for such a great season he's put together. The game itself is a joke, but no one can take the title of Pro Bowler away from you. He deserves that for the season. I think we're on the same page there. Final thought. Chris Harris is right. This team needs a lot of pieces. I'm really looking forward to seeing how L.A. handles the free agency period, needing offensive line, wide receiver, defensive line, and secondary help. The grocery list is long, but there are specifically are there specifically any wide receiver in the free agent market that you guys want to see in Denver next year? No. I, I say avoid the free agency market on wide receivers. It'll be really interesting to see how much money it costs a guy like Amari Cooper that there's like four Amari Coopers just sitting there in the first round. Yeah, I say go get the young stuff and, and mold them in your system because there's so many, it's so deep. Right. Are you going to pay Amari Cooper, you know, no. $20 million or no. some crazy number? It doesn't make sense. I think maybe you go shopping at the second or third tier caliber of receiver just to upgrade the group and also just in case you don't find the answer that you seek in free agency. At least you don't need a wide receiver one. That's the good spot that you're in right now. You have Cortland Sutton. You have your wide receiver one. But I'd love to see this team yeah. get a true slot in free agency. Get a guy who's proven in the slot. That like stop trying to convert guys that have been outside. That you know right. just just go get like a Cole Beasley and just yeah. say like now we have a slot receiver. Yeah, Cole Beasley and Adam Humphreys on the market last year. Either one of them would have been perfect. Yeah. Right. Yep. Next one from Missouri Bronco. Do you guys think there's any substance to the argument that Vaughn is making? I'm with you guys that this offseason is different because of Drew. However, my brother is not in the same boat. He thinks we will be bad for at least five more years. Thoughts? 
There's, I mean, if you think they're going to be bad, then that means you think Drew Locke is going to be a bust. Yes, because it's it's entirely tied to that more than anything else. If Drew Locke hits, it's almost a zero percent chance that they'll be bad for the next five years. If Drew Locke doesn't hit, the chances of them being bad for the next five years go up exponentially because it all depends on whether or not you can find a quarterback. Yeah, and then you're chasing another quarterback, and maybe you're chasing a veteran. And look, if Drew Locke does not have the response that I think we all hope and expect to see from him over these last two games, what do the Broncos do? They're probably back spending $20 to $25 million on a veteran Band-Aid quarterback again. Oh, boy. And before we get out of here, the next one coming in from Missouri Broncos says, fun question to you three. At what age did you realize you wanted to work in sports media? And Mace, I'm not fully aware of your Broncos connection. How did you come about covering this beloved team of ours? I'll start with that question. Applied for a job with the Broncos that was open in the summer of 2002, and I got it. (laughs) Working on their website, (laughs) Digital Media. I had never been to Colorado before I came out here to interview for the job. Wow. wow. Welcome. Flew into DIA in one day, went through the interview process, visited the stadium, visited Dove Valley, had lunch, got back on a plane that night. Next day, I was actually, I remember it well because, I mean, obviously it changed the direction of my life. We were, I was sitting in the car. My brother was getting married later that week. And we were on Tarpon Avenue in Tarpon Springs, Florida, sitting at the light at US 19. <laughs> and my cell phone rang, and it was the job offer to come join the Denver Broncos. How about that? That's awesome. It was right before camp, so it had to happen fast. So did the stuff for the wedding, packed up my apartment, got everything boxed and shipped, and I was on my way to Denver, and I made it, I think, three days before training camp. The last that? training camp in Greeley, by the way. How about that? So for you guys, at what age did you realize you wanted this? sort of business so since i was i mean five years old maybe i knew two things i either wanted to be a professional athlete or i wanted to work in sports in some other way by the time i was 17 i put all my chips into the the golf basket because that was the sport i was best at the golf bag yes into the golf bag (laughs) because that was the sport i was best at and towards the end of my senior year of golf, so I was probably eight, uh, still 17, almost 18, I realized I wasn't going, I, I wasn't in love with competitive golf the same way I was in love with just playing golf. And so I realized that I wasn't going to become a pro golfer. Um, then I, so that professional athlete was off the list. I was down to, I just want to work in sports. And then my sophomore year of college, I saw someone who said like, um, if anyone's looking to get experience in the sports media industry, I'm looking to hire an intern. I'm like, all right, let's give it a try. So that I knew that was a chance to work in sports. There it was. There it was. And for me, early elementary school, I remember my, my uncle saying, you know so much about sports. It's all you talk about. It's all you watch. It's all you do. You should really do that. And, and that just really stuck with me. And then it wasn't until my last year of college when I sent out, I was like, yeah, I really do want to do this. Didn't do anything with it in, in college, but said, why not give it a chance before going off to law school? Sent out hundreds of letters across the NFL and just kind of one job turned into another. Awesome. I was about eight or nine years old. Just I remember being at the kitchen table, reading the morning paper, reading the Richmond Times-Dispatch coverage of the Washington Redskins at the time. And uh you know, I'd watch the game the day before, read, you know, they had the column, they had a couple articles, and they had a beat writer covering the team that was just traveling with the team like like I do, like like so many do now, and uh, it just clicked with me. I, hey, this is 
pretty cool. I think I could, <laughs> I think I could do something like this, make a living. That that sounds like fun. Simple as that. Yep. All right. Well, I gotta let these guys go over to the Broncos facility. So, uh, love you, all. love fellas, you, Ryan. Thanks for having a good day. Uh, before we move on to the rest of the questions, I think we have a few left. Uh, gotta tell you about Breckenridge Brewery and more specifically the Colorado Core. It is a fantastic drink. Uh, I call it a drink because it's, it's kind of a beer. It's kind of a cider. It's kind of even a champagne. It's perfect for any day, uh, specifically in the fall or even in the winter, like right now. It's almost like drinking a apple cider drink like you would by the fire or by the tree uh but it's cold and if you're like me i like to drink everything cold and you catch a little buzz off it so make sure you check out breckenridge brewery colorado core or any breckenridge beers at davidson's total beverage or whatever your local liquor store is also got to tell you about green mountain dental as you may or may not know taking care of your teeth is pretty important and our friends at Green Mountain Dental are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. All you got to do is take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. All right. Sorry that the, uh, the guys had to bail here. But we've got plenty more questions, and I'm going to get to those for you guys. First one coming in from Mile High Hitman. Fellas, curious if there's an easy defensive strategy to shut down Fant since he can't judge the ball in the air and isn't a deep threat, so assume teams could just cover short route unders. Are teams doing that to him? If not, why not? I haven't noticed that. Also, credit where it's due, Noah Fant did catch a ball kind of over the shoulder on that fourth down. Probably the best play of the game in the, the Chiefs game was that fourth down play action. A dime from Drew, good judge by Fant got under it, made the play. So he, he, he is developing in that area. Um, but also, it's not just that he can only run short routes. In fact, most of his routes have been big routes. It's just the, the, the arc of the ball that literally matters. It's, you know, if he's running a deep post, uh, the quarterback can gun it in there. Or if he's running a slant, the quarter, you know, kind of a deeper slant, the quarterback can gun it in there. If he's running a seam route like he did against the Texans for that touchdown – the quarterback can gun it in there. It just, it's just weird. Like he's not, he hasn't yet made the play just being, you know, up the sideline, running a nine route, running past a, a, a linebacker and catching it over his shoulder. But th- that is something I'm fairly confident can be taught. It's just something you just work on and work on and work on and work on. And I presume you eventually get better at something like that. From Sand Monkey 27 what do you, uh, yeah, that's one, that one you're probably going to have to uh, save for Mace. He was asking about Mace's thoughts on the Mandalorian, um, which I sadly cannot help you with at all. So comment that tomorrow, and I'm sure Mace will get it. From Pismo Beach Broncos 07, call me old-fashioned, but I don't think you can shut the door on Von Miller. I like the idea of having a lifelong Bronco. I love seeing the passion at the podium because you can visually see how much he cares, not just about himself, but his team and the fans as well. Von has way more value than just the sack total. Do you think that Vic is the type of coach to really have an open heart-to-heart with Vaughn about how he can maximize his use between in this scheme? Vaughn is a freak of nature, and I firmly disagree that this is the decline year. Vaughn is just the guy that you want. He has all the intangibles. Do you think Vic has it in him to feature Vaughn in the rush more, even if it's outside the scope of his normal scheme? More exotic rush and twist looks, perhaps. There's no way that Vaughn suddenly became so much less effective so quickly. 
I think they can have a heart to heart on, you know, how Vaughn can best be used within the scheme, how they can get the most out of him as a leader, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I think that is something that I expect to happen. Um, I don't think Vic is going to say, I know that this is not the best thing for my scheme, but it's the best thing for you. So I'll use you more this way. I think it's more just Vic can say, you know, Vic can say, Hey, I am going to ask you to do X, Y, and Z. I'm also going to ask you to rush the passer, which is your best quality. How can we best use you? And if it is more twists, more, you know, stuff like that, then maybe that's what they go with. Um, I think it's, I think it's fair to worry that this is a decline year for Von Miller. I don't think we have to know that until next year. Um, and when he's playing a full season, hopefully, I'll touch wood, next to Bradley Chubb, that's when I think we'll, we'll know whether or not he's declining or whether he just had a kind of a rough year this year, especially because teams were able to key in on him so much. And, and sacks are circumstantial. It's not – you can't just say a great – pass rusher is going to have 15 sacks it just doesn't work that way there's so much that goes into a sack which is one of the reasons why we've always said it's really hard to have the best player on your team be a pass rusher and be really good because sacks just can't be counted on now you can count on them to shut down the run game and make things difficult on the passer but sacks are, in the end are the way that Vaughn makes his impact the most and it requires the quarterback to hold the ball a little bit it requires him to beat um, the the guy who's trying to block him. There's just so many variables as opposed to, say, a quarterback who is going to have the ball and he's going to have, on most plays, a chance to make a perfect throw and throw a guy open. Like, the quarterback controls everything that's going on pretty much aside from the fact that, you know, an unblocked rusher or someone getting beat too quick for him to be able to make a play. But it's the least dependent position. Pass rusher is a very dependent position. Next one's from Broncos fan in NYC. I feel like there's a middle ground on the Von Miller thing. We know that Von wants to use whatever years he has pl left playing meaningful, meaningful football. We know that Elway did right by DT and Sanders sending them to competitive teams. Pick up the team option and see how the first half of next season plays out. If it's another dud, send him to a contender before the trade deadline. If there's hope, keep him around and let him be a career Bronco. May lose some trade value by waiting, but the option seems more w worthwhile. Um, I don't think Vaughn, I don't think Vaughn wants to go to a contender. I really don't. I think that Vaughn wants the Broncos to be a contender. Like his options are option one or option A, Broncos are a contender. Option B, Broncos aren't a contender, but he's still with the Broncos. I think it would be C would be getting traded to a contender with D being getting traded to a non-contender. Like I truly believe Bron uh, Vaughn Miller wants to be a Bronco his whole career. Okay, next one here is from the Big Tabowski. After thinking about my Tebow rant, I decided to save it for the offseason. It's not suitable for now, and we have so much other stuff to talk about. Draft prospects, Drew Locke's development, Vaughn's sad face, coaching schemes, to name a few. I'll quickly say, though, uh, that May said Tebow being labeled as a hard worker annoyed you, uh, uh, Mace, and other players, and I get that. But that's not on him, and it sounded like you were suggesting that. He never said I work harder than anyone else and has never been arrogant. He has the aura of confidence, sure, but never arrogant. Just waiting for clarity on this point. Love you, Mace, the big Tabowski. So we might have to, to get more with Mace on that. I will say this. Um, 
Tebow was a hard worker, probably not a harder worker, you know, you, the baseline for surviving in the NFL is you have to be an extremely hard worker. The, 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 the list of guys who can survive and play in the NFL without being a hard worker is probably only 10 guys long, just the most completely and utterly talented and naturally gifted players in the league. And most of those guys still work really hard. That's how you get stars, the talent and the work ethic. Um, but I think there was some frustration in there that Tebow wasn't doing as much as he could to become a better passer. From Dan Burke, uh, Mace, getting back to you on Henry Ruggs, the thing, the thing that separates him from previous burden receivers is that he is excellent in contested catch situations. That's something that was a red flag for John Ross when he was entering the draft. It's also something Tyreek Hill led the NFL in last year and something that players like Rieger and Hamler struggle with. Why I'm fully on board with them taking Ruggs in the first round. He's just a better overall prospect, IMO. Understand your point about him probably not having Hill's shiftiness. No one does. And he's not a refined route runner yet, but I think he'll have many issues. I don't think he'll have many issues in getting separation while he works on his route running. I, th- I agree with you, uh, Dan Burke. There, th- I mean, this group of Alabama wide receivers, they, they're so good in separation. They're so good at the line. Route running is something that, you know, is it, it can never be perfect. There's always something to work on. And I think any rookie wide receiver is going to have work to do on their route running. But Ruggs certainly separates himself from those guys, even if it's just uh, f- with those contested catches and just the, the, the level uh, that he's doing it at. Next one's from Am I Right or Amarillo? One, the Chiefs don't concern me much while I – uh, had let my optimism get the better of me and convinced me we'd win. That loss certainly didn't shatter my faith with Drew. Two, I fully expect, expect a stress-free butt-kicking this Sunday that we can all enjoy and put a smile back on Vaughn's bespectacled face. If this doesn't happen, how much cause for concern is there? Um, I, too, expect that. And since I won't be on tomorrow when the guys give their predictions, I'll tell you mine right now. I've got the Broncos winning this game 34-10. to 10. I think they cruise... I think that Drew Locke has a great game. I think that everyone calms down and that everyone feels pretty good about things moving forward. Giving Drew the, Guaranteeing Drew a winning record in his five starts and giving him the chance to go 4-1, and one, which no matter how you want to slice it, going 4-1 and one in a five-game stretch in the NFL is impressive. Um, if that doesn't happen, it all depends on how the game plays out. If the offense plays good and the defense plays poorly without Kareem Jackson out there and it gets into, a, you know, a little more of a shootout, well, you're concerned about the defense, still feel good about Drew, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the one thing that would concern me is just how meaningless the game is and weird things can happen in meaningless games. I mean, you got Emmanuel Sanders suddenly getting hurt on the first drive of the game and Aqib Tlaib coming off, like... Weird things can happen. Guys start looking out after themselves a little more. Maybe some guys are jumping off sides or trying to pad their stack numbers. Those are the things that worry me because in the NFL, even though you could be better than a team, the, the playing field can get leveled real quick when you aren't playing by the game plan. You aren't doing what the coaches told you. You're freelancing. These guys are, you know, the, the Lions may be bad. But they're all professional football players. They are, all, they are more than capable of beating the Broncos on Sunday if things get weird. Three for Mr. B. Four, speaking of Mr. B, I agree with the commenter yesterday, speaking of Denver's draft strategy. Our first three picks should consist of the triple B, 
big beefy boys. <laughs> Let's bolster that O line and give Drew some time to throw and some backs, uh, the backs room to run. You can't run the spread West Coast, run and shoot, wishbone, fun and gun, or air raid without them. You can't run anything without them. Um, I think you know you certainly have to get those guys. Like I've been saying all along, my perfect scenario: get a uh, offensive lineman with that ten to fifteen pick that you have, then trade back into the end of the round to get rugs or whatever you know big time wide receiver is still on the board. From Big Sexy. Oh, this one's for me, so you'll save that for tomorrow. From Cleavers83, did you guys see Vaughn's comments to Peter King? Seemed like he was just upset after the game and still wants to be here. Mace, can I get a prediction? Sorry, you're going to have to save that one for Mace. <laughs> you guys have lots of questions for Mace, which is understandable. Um, I, I saw Vaughn's comments to a few different people, uh, including Peter King, including Troy Rank, including Mike Kliss, and... I believe him. I don't think he's walking back what he had to say or anything like that. He he just gave everyone like a look into what it feels like to, to lose so much. And I always talk about this with losing culture and how when you lose so much, most guys teach themselves to care less. Vaughn just doesn't have that in him. He doesn't know how to care less. And so each time it just beats him down even harder and especially against a division rival like the Chiefs where they've lost nine in a row it just you you got to look at what it feels like to put so much out there and then not win um from orange crust 77 hey dnvr fam second time commenting i listen to every pod but i'll admit i've only listened to the first few minutes of this one but wanted to chime in with a lot of random thoughts that have been accumulating over the last few months Tinfoil hat time. Is it possible that Vaughn is paid QB money? LA approached Vaughn to restructure a more team-friendly deal, just like he did to PFM. That plus the down year, plus the multiple years of suck, have put Vaughn in this emotional dump. Uh, it's possible. Again, I just think it's Vaughn cares a lot, and losing really hurts him, and you got a just a wide-open look at what a guy is like when, when he just keeps losing like that. One, if Elway hasn't asked Vaughn to restructure, shouldn't he? I know we'll have a ton of cap space, but more is better, and that equals a quicker turnaround. Uh, you only do that if you need to. I, I realize what you're saying, like more caps, the more cap space, the better always. Uh, but if you're, not gonna, if you're not going to be up against it, like there's no guarantees that the Broncos are going to sign all the guys they want to just because they have the money. Um, so if you are in with a guy and you need the cap space, then go ahead. Otherwise you don't need to do that. It just, it does. It is kicking the can down the road, which can co complicate things for you in later years. Two, Drew Skylocker. The force is strong with this one. Not a great game against Casey, but a great future ahead of him. Three for Mr. B. Four, sign Justin or franchise him. If you can't, I think they will. That was me talking. Five, too much Elway hate by fans. If you step back, and compare the team's accomplishments under his tenure, he matches up very favorably to other GMs during that time span. Completely agree. Six, more RK, please. When is the special assignment completion date? <laughs> uh, well, thank you. Uh, that's flattering, and I appreciate it. I, I love being on this pod as much as you guys, or you maybe specifically, uh, love having me on. Completion date, I don't want to uh, give something that I can't deliver, but I'll tell you that there's a lot of progress being made, that it will be worth the wait in the end, and that I'll be back on full-time after that. Um, again, I thought the completion date would have been way, way earlier than where we sit today. Uh, it's just one of those things that's become 
uh, a much bigger project than I originally expected. And I'm sure anyone who works in a field or anything that requires projects, you can understand when you take on something new, sometimes your estimation of how long it's going to take can get skewed. Next one's from Sir James Radio, and this is the last one of the day. He says, I just wanted to throw my two cents in as far as my three favorite wide receivers of all time go. Rod Smith, Eric Decker, Emmanuel Sanders, with Brandon Marshall and Eddie Royal being very close to making it. That's an interesting list. I certainly would not have Eric Decker on mine. Was never a big fan of Eric Decker's. Um, thought he was a solid player who benefited a lot from the quarterback throwing him the ball. Um... I'm trying to think of my three favorite Broncos receivers. One is for sure Rod Smith. Two is probably DT, especially you know if you've ever if you've never read my story on him. I wrote a story on him right after he was traded, titled uh, "An Ode to the Most Underappreciated Bronco of All Time." Kind of explained my personal perspective of DT and and his career in Denver, um, and I felt like I had a unique perspective on it, which makes him one of my favorites to watch and to cover. And I'll have to think on that third one. Nothing immediately comes to mind. I'm stalling and buying time here to see if anything pops up. I'll have to uh, I'll have to circle back to that one. But for now, appreciate you guys listening in. Sorry for all of you who had comments directly directed at Mace. Um, if you want him to get to those, I'm sure you can comment them for tomorrow, and he'll get to them. I'm sure he would love to talk Star Wars. Specifically tomorrow, as I believe that is, well, tomorrow at midnight is when the release date is. So, appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for bearing with me here solo at the end of the pod. And we, we will have those guys back with you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will 
will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. 